Hey, yo, what up, PMC fam? It is another edition of Requests, hosted by yours truly, Cody Stoffer here on this Wednesday that I think is a bit rainy. This episode was recorded on March 15th, 2022, and quick shout out to uh, Tabampa. It would be his, shoot, 67th birthday, I want to say. So, quick shout out to him. But anyways, we got some intriguing prospects on this episode today, some pretty high grades and some solid talent, and some of which is going to play on the next level. And without further ado, you know, we even have some from up north a little bit, just exiting that Colorado border ever so slightly. So I'm pretty excited to talk about all these guys today, but we are going to start here in Colorado over at Regis High School, Regis Jesuit High School, that is. And I'm going to talk about Xavier Carroll, the running back slash linebacker, but I will be talking about Xavier, the running back here. And so I'm just going to start off first with things that he did well this year and things that jumped out to me as I watched his film. And the very first thing that jumps off when you watch Xavier's film here is his speed and change of direction. You know, his speed right off the get-go, I would say, is like a 7.6. He is very quick, and he reaches that top speed, but not only is he able to run very fast... But he's able to change directions on a dime. And this is where a lot of his touchdowns come in. And this was his highest grade for me. I gave his agility slash change of direction an 8.2. I think it's at least three star and maybe even borderline four star caliber change of direction. He just does such a great job of understanding, you know, well, let me explain it this way. They are able to run the offense that they do over at Regis this past year because of Xavier Carroll's skill set. He's able to take, you know, these misdirection handoffs, these fake run, you know, these fake boot lefts out of shotgun and take all of these really crazy handoffs simply because he's able to put his foot in the dirt and get right up field and, you know, make an impact with with quick burst and explosiveness. You know, I gave his explosiveness a 6.9 just because he's able to fire off and, you know, he's able to pick up a couple extra yards right out of the hole for sure. And... Yeah, he's just very strong in those areas. Speed, explosiveness, agility, change of direction. And, you know, something that helps with his change of direction being so proficient is his footwork. I gave his footwork a 7.8. He's able to chop it up and just, you know, stay very controlled, stay very balanced, but at the same time make a huge impact in the game and be able to rip off some decently long runs and to contribute to this team. On top of that, you know, his acceleration, I also rated out a 6.8. So a lot of these categories are in that two-star kind of range, but he does sneak into that three-star and with that agility slash change of direction, maybe even borderline four-star in those categories. And so I think that that makes for a pretty strong prospect and it made for a pretty strong season. You know, this last season here at Regis, he did run for 870 yards and 12 touchdowns scoring in every single game excluding the first two, even though in the Highlands Ranch game, he did have over 100 yards. So that one's a little bit easier. And then in the Doherty game, where it looks like he just didn't play all that often, uh, they did win that game 56-3. to And then lastly, that Cherry Creek game. That was a very hard, very gritty kind of game, but he still averaged 6.5 yards per carry and 7 on the year. So, you know, he was able to impact basically every game and able to, you know, 
just find the holes and contribute. You know, his best game, I would say, was probably the legend game where he ran for 113 yards and a score in what was an exciting, you know, one-point loss game there. And then, you know, in that playoff game against Pomona, he also ran for two touchdowns and almost 100 yards. So very, very solid season overall. And, you know, definitely helped this Regis Jesuit team hold up that standard that they have of making the playoffs and, you know, winning a playoff game or two, which is exactly what they did. They won two. And, you know, that's a pretty good run with, you know, some of the things that were going on with this team. I know that health was a little bit of an issue overall for this squad. And so for him to be able to, you know, play his role and help bring them as far as they could and make as big of an impact as he did with such little carries. I mean, 124 carries is not a lot. He never eclipsed 20 carries in a single game. And there were a couple of games, let's see, two, three, four games where he didn't even have 10 carries, including that Pomona game where he only had nine and still ran for 94 yards. So very limited volume here from Xavier Carroll, which is very interesting because, I mean, if you have a guy who can impact the game, I mean, how do you only give the ball to him 11 times in this legend game when he runs for 113 yards? I mean, if he's averaging 10 yards per carry, keep running the ball. Or at least that's that's what I would do. But, um, you know, there are some things that I wish he could do a little bit better. And I'm willing to talk about that or some things that maybe he didn't have the opportunity to do. And one of those, the biggest one, is easily his receiving. I mean, over his entire high school career, it, le it looks like he only had, well, it, this year, he only had three catches for 13 yards. And then in his entirety of high school, he only had seven catches for 64 yards and not even a single touchdown. There wasn't a receiving touchdown in his film. He caught speed options, but I don't really think that's the same. That doesn't show route running capabilities or hands or anything like that. And so his receiving ability, I did put out a 2.2. I, I need to see it to believe it. And there's just not enough volume here, either in film or in the stat book, to believe in this. Now, he is very athletic. He is very fast. And, you know, that one pitch, it went a little bit of a ways. And, you know, you have to, I think you just have to be straight up terrible at something to receive, like, below a two. But something that's invisible is not something that I can grade. So that's why his receiving gets a 2.2. And it could be a scheme thing, but you need to, it needs to be proved before it can be graded high. And another one of those things that kind of comes up is his blocking. Um, I, I'd say that he's pretty average, at least, you know, in frame and size and blocking and whatnot. Um, you'd have to have seen him live or watch the playoff games uh, like I did against that Creek team. Granted, that's kind of a rough game to try and, you know, get blocking stats and film in. But I gave him a three and a half. I think that it needs a lot of work and... Yeah, I, I just don't think that he's very strong in general. I mean, I gave his tackle breaking a six, which is still solid. It's still good, I'd say, and even a little bit above average, but it's nothing to write home about. I think that the strength part comes mainly from his kind of stiff arms. I think that he's able to push people off of him, but the tackle breaking isn't necessarily consistent. And I think that's partially tied into his balance slash body control. Now, 6.8 isn't necessarily a bad score, but sometimes it looks like he's running so fast that he gets a little bit ahead of himself and he's running a little top heavy. And when you run like that, you're easier to knock over. And I just think that he's missing a lot of opportunities to kind of carry guys because I do think that he is strong enough to carry guys or like truck more often, but he just doesn't. And he gets tripped up and, you know, is 
you know, victim to a couple of shoelace tackles as well, which is not a great display of balance or body control. Lastly, I'll say that his vision, I gave his vision a 6.2. I think that he's looking for the big play too much rather than just taking what the defense is giving him. And so, you know, he uses that agility slash change of direction to kind of cut back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and, you know, do this entire kind of like circus run when really it's like, dude, just put your shoulder down and pick up like five yards here. You know what I mean? And so I think that he's trying too hard to look for the home run rather than see the hole and then find it. Granted, I did, you know, his vision does get a 6.2 though in the positive sense because he does make his cutback lanes very clear and he cuts back very strong, especially against the grain. Uh, you know, once again, tied into that agility slash change of direction. So that's my take on Xavier Carroll, who was request requested, by the way. So thank you for requesting him. I did have a lot of fun watching his film and we definitely did not see as much Regis as we wanted to this year. So I like covering Regis players. You know, uh, we interviewed uh, Anthony Tokini last year and he was awesome. I also broke down the running back from last year from Val or not from Val, from Regis Jesuit. Um, Oh man, it's been so long, but Anthony actually requested us to break him down. And so that's why I was able to do that. And then also kind of able to keep my eyes out here for Xavier Carroll, who, you know, like I said, helped produce a very solid season out of this Regis squad and overall put together a solid enough season to get an offer. And I was talking about David Doty. That's who I talked about last year, David Doty, who, you know, also didn't, he only got 100 carries, but that was in a shortened season. So very interesting, the carry distribution. But anyways, Xavier Carroll, like I said, he is going to be playing at the next level. He is committed to, it looks like, Cobber football at Concordia. And Concordia, that is a D3 school. I'm thinking that this is an opportunity for him to kind of get, you know, more film out there, get a couple more carries, see if he can increase that volume. I think that he's somebody on the D3 level who can get carries immediately as a freshman. I don't really have a doubt about that. And if he doesn't, that's fine. It could be depth chart reasons. But honestly, I see Xavier Carroll putting in some serious work here, maybe getting some targets out of the backfield and showing what he could do with the ball in his hands in space on like swing passes and, you know, like out routes and stuff like that. And I think that that could tremendously increase his value and lead to potentially more offers down the road if he so chooses. If that's not how it shakes out, that's fine. But I definitely think that he could be a D2 athlete. And, you know, with some more work, kind of rounding out some of these raw things and with higher volume, he might be able to sneak on to like a, a PWO out of D1 if that is what he wants to do. But, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out. Honestly, I had a lot of fun watching his film. I, I always like watching those speed, elusive kind of backs who are just really quick and just, cha -cha -cha, you know, take off like that. And so I had a lot of fun watching his film in an episode where I'm going to be talking about three different running backs. You know, it was a nice little change of pace um, compared to the other two guys who are more kind of a uh, semi-truck kind of running backs. So, and speaking on those semi-truck running backs, we got another one in Colorado, but this one's just a little bit down South coming up. Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Stoffer, with another edition of requests. I believe this is requests edition 49, I want to say. I'll double check that before the episode's over. But anyways, on this edition of requests, this is a 
very integral member of PMC fam, I will say. This is a one-time playmaker of the week, and I and he's got a ring. I'm pretty sure having been at that program down there in Palmer Ridge High School, I'm talking about Connor Cook, the senior running back who, you know, down there in Monument, who uh, over the past few years has quietly put together a very respectable and commendable high school career, including this last season, you know, Palmer Ridge, they did make it to the Elite Eight, I want to say, in that bracket. And that was in huge part to Connor Cook here, who ran for 15 touchdowns on the year, including the three-touchdown, 156-yard performance against Mesa Ridge, where he won our Playmaker of the Week, averaging 4.9 yards per carry, but running for those three scores. And it wouldn't be the first time that he ran for three scores, as he ran for three scores in the Ponderosa game that Mason Austin was in attendance for. And then he went off in the you know, regular season finale against Vista Ridge when he toted the ball 20 times for 225 yards and a score, not to mention in the playoff loss against Erie, he had a very hard fought run in that, in that game and for his one touchdown of that game. But anyways, Connor Cook here, let's dive into his rubric and talk about some things that he does well. And I, in the previous segment, talked about how he runs like a semi-truck I've talked about how much of a threat he is in the red zone. And he's just very, very powerful and explosive. His powerful running style and explosiveness landed him at a 7.7 in power slash explosiveness. It's just when he hits you, he's going forward. Um, whether you find a way to stay on your feet or not, that's not on him. You know, the, the defenders who are able to tackle him when he lowers his shoulder, they kind of hold on for dear life onto that leg and he kind of falls down. But man, they are hurting and I wouldn't be surprised if they need some ibuprofen after the game. He is such a punishing runner, especially in that run in that red zone where, you know, he just picks up speed really fast and he just drops the hammer pretty hard on, on some fools. And on that note, you know, his highest category for me was in tackle breaking slash strength where he scored a 7.8. He has carried guys. He's thrown guys with stiff arms. And, you know, he's he's gotten the end zone with such that with that punishing running style. And I think that's that's exactly his brand. And that's a brand that fit in and complemented this, you know, this Palmer Ridge program that to this point has has been one of the staples of Colorado football. They've been very dominant multiple championships across a couple of different levels. And, you know, this is only their second year in 4A, I want to say. And he was crucial to, you know, their their run this past season. And, yeah, um, standing in at 5'10", 205 pounds, he is just so brutal to, to be ran into. And like I said, he picks up speed very, very fast. I gave his acceleration a 7.2 mainly because it just happens so quick and he just just slams into you. But that's not to say that he can't also, you know, kind of use a little bit of finesse. I gave his agility slash change of direction a 7.2. He shows pretty solid footwork, you know, chopping it up. And well, actually it's more just his ability to turn his hips pretty fast and more on that in a second, but he's able to turn his hips pretty fast and, you know, break down and make cuts when necessary and, you know, show a couple of different little moves. His, 
Highest category following all of these was his vision. I gave his vision a 6.7, which is the highest of the running backs on this episode. I think that he reads holes very well, and then he just is like shot out of a gun or out of a cannon through said holes. He does cut it back, and he does use his vision very well in the red zone because, I mean, teams were keying in on him in the red zone. They knew where the ball was going on, you know, once you're inside that 10-yard line, it's like, all right, Connor Cook's about to score. And despite, you know, being keyed on and being game-planned against, he still found ways to get in the end zone. I think that shows a very smart running back, a very meticulous running back who understood, you know, the personnel that the defense was showing and just, you know, showed a great understanding for the game of football and played his role to a T. All of this being mentioned and addressed, there are definitely some areas of improvement here for Connor Cooks. And, you know, I I can kind of bounce back and forth on which ones kind of need to need to be addressed more so. But I, I will say that his biggest area of improvement is similar to the last running back. And that that's just that he's not really a receiving threat. He doesn't catch a lot of passes out of the backfield. Once again, the film reflects this as well as the stats. This year, he had six catches for 54 yards. Granted, that is a little bit more than the last guy. But I mean, overall, as a career, he only had 72 yards of receiving. He didn't catch a pass as a junior. And, you know, there's not really great pass catching film out there. So I gave him a 3.6 just because his volume was a little bit higher, but I still think it needs significant work. Following that up, you know, I think that his blocking is about average. That's that's basically the end of the sentence. So I gave him a 4.4. 4.4 means like for a starter in high school, it was okay. And it was able to get by. And, you know, he he's a physical guy. So obviously, you know, he wasn't afraid to block or anything like that. I just think that technique-wise, it could have used a little bit of improvement. Volume-wise, it could have used a little bit more improvement. Um, so you got to be good at one of those two things to be a really phenomenal all-around back. And I think that they are just lacking a little bit. Then his footwork here, you know, that's why I correct myself a little bit. I'm like, his hips help him change direction, and he does chop and break down his feet. But sometimes, you know, his feet get end up getting super wide and kind of away from him. And once again, he also kind of ends up top heavy sometimes when he's running the football. And I think that that's a footwork thing just because I think that his balance slash body control is all right. I think it's okay in the, you know, staying upright and kind of bouncing off a defender sense. But in the staying, keeping your shoulders over your hips and your knees kind of way, this is also a category that I think he kind of lacks in. So I gave him a 5.5 in the balance slash body control. I think that overall, he just needs to work on being more balanced and he needs to hit the uh, salmon ladder this summer and just work on that kind of footwork for sure. And, you know, those are my biggest areas. of Oh, and his speed. He's not very fast. He doesn't rip off a lot of really long runs. You know, in his highlight reel, I think he ripped off a couple of 20 yarders. It looks like his longest run this season was a 52 yarder, which which is impressive. But I don't think he quite made the end zone on that. Otherwise, a lot of his longest runs sit at 18, 12, 15, 12, 15, 19, 18, 12, you know, and then like sprinkling a 30 and a 28 there. But I mean, your longest run of the game, if you are really a playmaker and you're really explosive and your speed is top notch, I mean, you're ripping off at least a 30 every game, if not a 40 every other game, you know, and he just doesn't have that consistency. And, you know, he gets caught from behind 
a little bit more than I'd like. And, you know, that's why he makes for such a great red zone back, but maybe not like an every down kind of guy. And I think that that's an excellent transition for talking outlook here. Look, I think Connor Cook should play on the next level. I think he can play on the next level, but I think it's going to take a flyer from an NAIA school who's, you know, how do I want to say it? An NAIA school who's looking to, you know, get somebody who can just straight up score and punch it in. You know what I mean? And Connor Jones can do exactly that. And, you know, he had some big games this year and he's just really, really good after contact. And so I, I think that, you know, and I mean, he's a first team all conference guy and he just plays with a lot of hustle. I think that he can shoot a lot of energy into any program that he's brought into. But I just don't know if he'll get really the looks with the volume that he was kind of looking at. And then just with kind of the limited capacity of which his biggest strengths kind of are, which is in the red zone. Which, I mean, with the way that football kind of works these days, I mean, it's nice to have a back that could do it all. I always would prefer to have a back to do it all. But it's not uncommon to see, you know, like a speed finesse kind of back. And then somebody who can punch it in, you know, kind of like a Jordan Howard-ish kind of situation here. And that's something that I think Connor Cook could do very well. I think he gets you like three to four yards on every single carry, which three yards on four downs, that's first down. That's that's a philosophy for some teams. I think that he would fit in well with those schemes. And, you know, I think that he could be a complimentary back on an even higher level, but I just see the chances being taken on him from that NAIA potential kind of level. So that's my outlook on Connor Cook. Once again, huge shout out to this guy. He's definitely PMC fam. And I hope that, you know, you hear this breakdown and it kind of helps you on, on your mission and helps you improve as a football player. Very, very pleasant guy and uh, a friend of the podcast for sure. But all that being said, we are going to hop out of state for this next running back in a state that does have a couple of friends of the podcast. Hello, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. I'm your host for this edition of Requests, Cody Stoffer. And we are going to travel up north quite a ways, all the way to Cokeville High School in Wyoming. And, uh, you know, stay tuned because there's another solid Wyoming guy who will be featured on this episode. But anyways, talking about Trayson Dayton out of Cokeville High School in Wyoming. This dude filled out our request form and it didn't look like there was anything that he wasn't asked to do, you know. He played linebacker. He played a little bit of in-the-box safety. He played wide receiver. He played running back. He even did some pass coverage and whatnot, and he was very solid at everything. However, I am going to classify him as a running back for a couple of different reasons. For me, he is a bit on the, you know, more stout side, it looks like, and so, you know, I think that his frame and his physicality translates very well to the running back position. I think that you know, his routes are good, and I'll talk about his receiving overall as a running back is pretty solid. However, you know, I think that he's a little clunky to be running more of those finesse routes and stuff like that. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I just didn't see as much film. And I think that he does a lot of things kind of too well, and he's pretty well-rounded to be a very solid running back. So that is how I'm going to evaluate Trayson Dayton as if I am recruiting him for the running back position. 
and there's plenty of reasons to like him. First off, he is the best blocker. You know, he's asked to play a fullback kind of role. They run a multiple offense for sure, where they go from spreading them out kind of like four wide to having a wing team in the backfield. So it's a crazy offense over there in Cokeville and one that helped lead them to the playoffs. I will at least admit that. And, you know, in set offense, he does lead block a handful of times and he does pick up blocks as well for the passing game. And I think that he does a very solid job at it. You know, I gave him a 5.9 because I think that he's just about good. He kind of reaches a little too much for, for my liking. I think that he lunges for blocks from time to time. And so I had to dock him a couple of points for that. But just the fact that he is able to, you know, get underneath pads, he understands leverage and he can bring the block to them as well is very impressive. And, you know, his run blocking is definitely way stronger, I would say, than any of the, you know, passing or pass block film that I was able to watch, whether it's from games or from that huddle. Moving forward, you know, there are things that he does do better than that. And, you know, I'd say that his tackle breaking slash strength and body control are two of those things. He is a very physical football player. And when he's in the red zone, he's a lot like Connor Cook. I unfortunately don't have access to up-to-date stats for him, but he's a lot like Connor Cook where it's like, if he gets the ball within the five-yard line, it's probably a touchdown. And he does a pretty solid job using his vision for that. I'd say his vision in the red zone is significantly improved than his overall vision, just because he sees end zone, he goes end zone. And he is able to convert a lot of these red zone trips into points for Cokeville. And he does a very physical job at doing it. I mean, I've seen a play where he trucked through like a D lineman, a linebacker, and then like the safety that came up and still fell into the end zone. Or another play where he was literally dragging multiple defenders on him and just kept chugging along. And so that's excellent balance and body control and obviously just strength overall. Just car literally carrying players for multiple yards and then just punishing them very hard. And part of the reason that he's able to do this so well, especially in the red zone, is his power slash explosiveness. I gave it a seven. He just hits the hole with a head full of steam and is able to convert a lot of these red zone trips into points by just plowing through whoever's in front of him in such an aggressive, you know, Wyoming kind of backcountry kind of way. And I got to respect that quite a bit. And, you know, I think it should get him some looks on the next level. And if it doesn't, his versatility does go a long way. He lines up in the slot. He lines up outside. He runs swing routes. He runs seam routes. He runs slants. He runs outs. He runs a plethora of routes. And so his receiving did receive a 6.7. That is the highest of the running backs on this episode, just because he's so versatile and able to do so many things well. Now, he's not the most refined route runner. He looks a little clunky out there. His footwork doesn't translate super great to the receiver position. However, he still goes up and he mosses kids. He's very physical. He has excellent body control that translates not only from the run game, but it translates very, very well to the pass game. And, you know, just his ability to make these very physical, tough catches is, you know, very inspiring and a testament to his versatility for sure. So that those are a lot of things that I think Trayson does very well. And if I'm saying his name wrong, uh, just let us know. But um, there are some areas of improvement. Trayson here, he does not strike me as the fastest guy. Anytime I see him line up at receiver and make a great catch, it's not because he just straight up burned somebody. 
it's because he outmuscled, and that's because he has to outmuscle because I feel like a lot of people can keep up with his routes. He doesn't create a lot of separation, and he doesn't rip off a lot of you know big like fifty yard runs. You know, kind of. Him and Connor Cook are very similar in a lot of ways, uh, very different in a lot of ways too, but very similar in the fact that you know they're punishing. But, you know, they're not necessarily the fastest guys. And I don't think that his acceleration really exists. I think that his explosiveness at the hole is very different from his acceleration. Because I don't really see him kick it into another gear once he's running with the ball. And so I also rated that pretty low. I rated it at 4.8. Both of these scores are like, yeah, this was solid enough for his year at Cokeville High School as a starter. But don't instill a lot of confidence for me recruiting him on the next level is basically what that breaks down to. And on top of that, you know, he has some other kind of average scores here. You know, his agility slash change of direction. Like I said, it's pretty good in the red zone and he's able to find those holes. But outside of that, it doesn't really exist. It's kind of clunky, especially, you know, catching passes and whatnot. That only sits at a 5.2, which is the exact same amount as vision, which like I said, once again, in the red zone, it's phenomenal. And he's able to find the holes and he knows where the end zone is and he knows how to get in the end zone. But the further away from you know, the red zone that he is, the worse his vision progressively gets, especially on like toss plays, you know, I feel like he tries to push it outside a little bit too much and he doesn't just take what the defense is giving him. He wants to get that big play, but you know, and when he does cut it up, I don't necessarily think it's the right time to cut it up. I think that it's just a little inconsistent the further out you get. And, you know, I think that maybe his footwork has something to do with that where like, you know, in those close proximity situations, you don't really have to be super precise. But, you know, when he's running routes, when he's running in the open field and all of that, his feet get super spread out from him. And I think that it makes him a little bit more unbalanced in that kind of sense and makes it harder to really change direction super well or, you know, sc score some of these longer touchdowns and whatnot. And with all those things being said, you know, I'd say that he lands around like a pretty average player. I have him rated overall as a 58.7. So I think that Trace in here, and another thing that's unfortunate is that Wyoming football just doesn't really get the spotlight as well. It's kind of hard to keep track of stats. You know, you have to read through like newspapers basically because nobody updates their max preps there. The film is pretty horrible to watch quality wise. So Wyoming football needs a little bit of a facelift here. And I think that that could come with better facilities, better camera, better quality, and all of this stuff. But, you know, in that time, I think that Trace in here, he could be a running back on the next level, but also he could be a very special kind of role player, like an H-back or like a fullback for certain packages. And I think that that could earn him a partial scholarship, even as high as, you know, the D1 level at, as far as like, you know, whether it's a very minute or even a preferred walk-on to CSU or you know, um, Wyoming, where, you know, CSU, I mean, they're going to run that spread air raid offense, but, you know, having a H back there who can block, who can chip, and then kind of go out into the flats and make a catch, that would be a pretty sweet wrinkle to the offense. But overall, you know, I think that fullback running back, as far as other recruiting goes, or at least getting like maybe money for it, it's kind of tough to see. It's a kind of dying breed of a position for sure but when you have someone who's as versatile as him i think that it can make a huge difference for your offense i think that he could be a solid naia player d3 but if he really wants to refine his skills and improve and have a very good shot at playing at the next level 
go ahead and join, you know, that Jayhawk conference, try and go Juco and help them, you know, with your physicality and your drive so that they can help you develop as a football player and evolve a little bit more and round your game out. That would be my advice and my recruiting outlook here for Trayson Dayton. And thank you to you for reaching out and filling out our Google form, which by the way, if you guys want your request done, go to the link tree in our bios and fill out a Google form. It is right there at the very top. And you know, we'll get you taken care of and kind of do a review like this and talk about your game. And so, and that goes out to the Wyoming guys, including another one who's coming up next. What up, PMC fam, especially the listeners out in Wyoming. And I'm going to talk about somebody whose film I broke down last year, actually. And that is the 2022 wide receiver, Kaiser Wolf out of Torrington High School, who, you know, once again had another solid season and got a playoff win. So, you know, Kaiser had a lot to do with that. And just watching through his film, including, uh, you know, just overall varsity highlights and thinking about everything that he did well, he would have been the highest rated wide receiver in Colorado this year. He is very good and just very well-rounded. You know, he runs a very massive route tree, probably the biggest route tree from, you know, I mean, probably, I'd say like Erie up, you know? So including Colorado, he runs the biggest route tree. You know, I gave his route tree a 9.1. They have him run from the slot. They have him run outside. They have him run comebacks, ins, hooks, corners, posts, seams, goes, uh, hitch and goes, uh, bubble screens, tunnel screens, you know, just any way they can get the ball to him, they run it. And, you know, I think that he does a solid enough job at route running. You know, I gave his route running a 7.8. I think that they could be a little bit more crisp at times. I think that he could throw in a couple of different moves, but as far as being serviceable at creating very solid separation slash release, it's, it's serviceable enough. And, you know, his separation slash release, I did give it an 8.4. I think that a lot of the time when you see his separation, kind of dwindle pretty fast. It's from an underthrow that he kind of has to come back to. But other than that, you know, there's a lot of passes where he's wide open. And, you know, there's some passes where he is blanketed, but I'll give credit where credit's due on, on good coverage. But, you know, even if you do cover him, even if you do keep up, even if you can, you know, keep up with this big route tree and his solid route running and with his solid separation and with a good release that he did improve from last year, in my opinion, there's the verticality and jump ball ability that's just absurd. I gave it a nine. He has listed on his Twitter that he has a 29 and a half inch vert. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's higher because he just has springs. And I mean, he's caught it in one-on-one -on -one coverage. He's caught it in double coverage and he's caught it in literal triple coverage multiple times, usually for big gains of at least 30 plus yards, sometimes in the end zone as well. He just does a great job of finding the ball, timing it, and just plucking it out of the air. And that's why his ball skills slash hands are also a nine. He does a great job of catching with his hands. Something else that I think was even more improved from last year. And to continue the wave of praise, you know, I think that his speed, he runs a four five forty, And I think that that's very obvious in his film when he does get very open. It's usually from somebody just caught lacking against that overwhelming speed that he has. And that 
you know, contributes, obviously, you know, a good release helps, but solid speed. I mean, you just can't beat that raw speed. And, you know, that helps with the separation and the release and just how much room he has to catch the ball and what he's able to do with the ball afterwards. And, you know, it is his body control. He makes some toe tapping catches. He makes some great catches by the sideline. But just the way he's able to contort in the air is is something else. And so that's why I gave his body control a 7.9 borderline three star talent there. All of this being addressed, here are some things that I think were lacking from his film that, you know, regardless of how it looked last year or, you know, how it compares to this year, this is just what needs to be worked on for the next level. And this is excluding something else that I'm going to talk about in his recruiting profile here. But, you know, I think that he's a solid enough blocker. Uh, I gave him a 5.8 in blocking. He's pretty strong, you know, um deadlift to 315 squat 325 bench 205 that's all solid but it's not overwhelming i have seen him line up and you know get some good blocks but he doesn't blow people up in like you know ah what what is somebody who had an incredible block rating you know like like a like a keaton kaiser you know who's a very very good blocker or even like an anthony harris who just scored a little bit higher than him it's because he was able to knock people on their butt. Josh Dunn, he's the best blocking receiver that I've talked about all year. And he was at a 7.8 because he was just leveling people. So you got to be able to do that if you really want to be that next level prospect. I also think that for as many screens that as he gets, that his elusiveness or elusivity and field awareness slash vision, I think it could use some work. Uh, I think that he gets a little too caught up in dancing and his like jukes aren't super powerful and he doesn't have like the largest bag. Like I don't see him ever hit like a spin move and I don't see him, you know, kind of cut, cut, cut back and forth and create, you know, like a zigzag path. So his elusiveness, I gave a 6.9. He does slip out of some tackles, which is why I did give it, you know, not quite like a 5.8 is probably where it wouldn't, is where it would be if he wasn't so good at getting out of tackles. But yeah, I think that that needs a little bit of work. He just needs to stick his foot in the ground and then he needs to be more powerful and decisive when you know looking at what to do next and what kind of moves he has and on that note you know i think that that kind of ties in with field awareness slash vision his field awareness you know is a good part he's very cognizant of the boundaries he's very cognizant of the first down and stuff like that and where to run his routes which is all good and finding the open spots in the field on his spot routes on his in routes on his hitch routes you know all of that stuff he's very good at but his vision on you know running with the ball is just a little bit concerning and maybe not where I would want it to be, especially with where his speed is at. I think that he could be way more dangerous and maybe that's just, it just comes down to field or he just needs to work on his instincts a little bit more or maybe just trust his instincts a little bit more and go with his gut and maybe he's overthinking it. I did give that a 6.6. .6. It's still solid, but you know, there are definitely some things holding him back from being a definitive three-star. I gave his final score a 79.4. I think that he's easily a two-star receiver. However, Kaiser... I, I'm sorry to, to call you out on this, but there's a little bit of a reason why you're going to end up playing, you know, at a Dickinson State football, which no, no disrespect to Dickinson State. And, but that instead of like a Wyoming, I would say. And so Dickinson State, for those who don't know, they are a division three college and, you know, they, they got a steal here with Kaiser Wolf 
because, I mean, I just think that he's very well-rounded. He's super athletic. He's a three-sport athlete. The speed coming from soccer, the verticality coming from basketball, there's not really anything that he can't do. But I think that he could have played on the Division One level if it weren't for one little red flag here, and that was the 2.5 GPA. Look, as much as you may dislike it or you may be upset about it, you got to fix stuff in the classroom if you want to go to those high-level schools. You have to be a student athlete. They have to have multiple reasons to recruit you in there. And Kaiser, I think it's just one of those unfortunate things where, you know, maybe you need to just that first year of college, get those grades up. Get to like a 3.8 in like your first semester of college or something ridiculous like that. Like really hit the books super duper hard, study super hard, get the GPA up. And I think that you could transfer to a to a higher division level of football, but the GPA is just holding you back a little bit. I mean, look at his stats, 672 yards, 11 touchdowns this past year in a state that's not really known for airing it out. Super crazy. Granted, he does have one of the better quarterbacks in the state, but I mean, he's just a one-on-one -on -one nightmare who can run from in and out, run a huge route tree and have incredible verticality. And he's going to a D3 and it just, it doesn't really make sense. Wyoming is a little bit of a overlooked state for sure, more so than Colorado, but maybe more deservedly so I'd say, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't talent in the state. And Kaiser Wolf is definitely the, you know, kind of exception to the, like, I guess the way that Wyoming is viewed or treated. And I, I really truly think that he could be a division one player, FCS, but you, you got to show a little bit more. He could, he could have played for Wyoming. I think that he could have even contributed and competed for a spot at like a CSU. I think he's that good, despite maybe talks or conflicts about his competition. He just has so much raw athletic potential that it's hard to overlook. And it's just, it's just unfortunate. Um, but it's not to write him off. I think that there's still a chance that he can go to a higher level of football. And I believe in him and I'm calling him, I'm calling him out, him out and up. Get those grades up, man, and go ball out. For for Christ's sake, you can ball out. And you're robbing, you know, us viewers of college football of seeing some dynamic playmaking on the next level. And you're also kind of cheating yourself. So get those grades up, graduate high school, and you know, get those as soon as you get into college. Like, don't mess around, man. Really grind and get those grades up as much as you can. Put a show on on the field and turn some heads. The transfer portal is a beautiful thing. But, uh, you know, I, it sounds like I'm kind of grilling him, but I'm grilling him in like the older brother. You know, I watched your film last year. I see how much potential you have kind of way. And I just want what's best for you. So just go ball out. Go ball out in the classroom as well. Get those grades up and become the student athlete on the next level that you are meant to be. But uh, following Kaiser, that's going to do it for our Wyoming fellas on this episode. We are going to travel back down to Littleton, Colorado for this last player. And we are back on the last segment here of the Playmakers Corner podcast. I am your host for this episode, Cody Stoffer, and we have traveled back to Colorado to address... A, um, 
overlooked prospect and one that uh, definitely deserved a film breakdown. And that is Dakota Ridge's very own Adam Graves, the one-year starter here who led Dakota Ridge to a very successful undefeated regular season and only lost a single game to the eventual 4A state champs. And he was, I had a lot of faith in him heading into this season and he was a huge reason why I picked Dakota Ridge as one of the contenders on the 4A level and why in my bracket I picked them to win. And, you know, I think that he lived up to a lot of the hype. I think that he was a very good combination of athleticism and just an incredibly strong arm to push the ball downfield to his best athletes. So all that being said, let's jump into, you know, some of the things that he did well this year. And starting off, as I said, big arm. I gave his arm power a 9.2. He was able to fling the ball downfield and the only time that those didn't work is whether the timing was a little bit off or he overthrew it. He has an absolute cannon of an arm. He puts a lot of velocity. I've seen his receivers kind of shake their hands sometimes after catching him some of his passes over the middle just because he's able to put so much mustard on it. And he easily has one of the strongest arms in the state. As you know, I didn't give out too many nines here, but he would have had the third strongest arm in the entire class of this senior class so far that I have graded. And I think that's appropriate. I think that, you know, this Dakota Ridge team lived by the big plays on Adam Graves' arm and that they made a killing off of it. You know, as noted by his 22 passing touchdowns and consistently just long bombs. I mean, the long of the year for him was a 68-yard pass. It was an absolute dime. But here is his longs by game. Okay, you ready for this? First week, first coast, first week, first coast in Florida, long of 64. Thornton, long of 42, long of 40 against TJ, long of 51 against Rampart. I was at that game. It was a heck of a ball. Long of 46 against Brighton, 68 against Bear Creek in what was a Bear Creek massacre, 52 to 13 win. 47 Stanley Lake, 53 Wheat Ridge, 53 Golden, 34 Chatfield. A long of 22 in this Longmont game in a game where he was forced to be a bit more patient but still helped lead them to a dub. And then a long of 61 in this Chatfield game that they did lose, but I mean, still delivered a very long bomb in that game. And so he was guaranteed to beat you over the top once a game. And that's just how it was. And part of that reason why he's able to do that, I mean, his frame, I mean, he's six foot two. I want to say, no, 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 no. He's six foot four. That's more like it. 210 pounds. That's where the two is coming from. I mean, he's just a unit. His frame, I gave an 8.8. I mean, that's like an NFL frame, dude. Like, seriously, that is an excellent build. You would want him to fill out a little bit more, but I mean, he is one of the best frames, if not the best frame, in this entire senior class of quarterbacks. And so, between the huge arm and the giant frame, I mean, he was already sitting good, you know, at like a 21 from those two categories out of 100, right? So, Excellent, excellent for, for, or I should say an 18 out of 100 from just those two categories, right? Average of a nine. Then some other things that he did pretty well, I'd say, is, you know, his throw on the run ability, he was asked to roll out quite a bit, and he steps up in the pocket, makes some, and throws some darts for sure. And yeah, I, I think that he's able to really uncork some passes with, you know, that big arm of his, and especially throwing on the run. 
he's he's a little bit of a threat to scramble too you know on the season he ran for seven touchdowns and 378 yards so not like it wasn't a huge average but when he did get going it was something that you had to respect and pay attention to during the games otherwise he was going to beat you and so his scramble ability at a 6.8 and his throw on the run ability at a 7.3 made for a mobile kind of dangerous quarterback now kind of you know we usually talk about like strengths and then areas of improvement but a lot of these fall in kind of a middle category i mean looking at this his arm accuracy was a 6.8 his timing on throws was a 6.7 his decision making was a 6.8 his pocket awareness was a 6.8 these are all like good, but not great kind of ratings. You know, he's just below that, you know, above average good slash kind of great rating here with a lot of these. And I think that that's to be expected from a one-year starter. I mean, it's very hard to crack our top five list as a one-year starter. And th these were struggles that he was going to face was just consistency overall. You know, we got to see him live a couple of times. We saw that Rampart game. I got to watch the Longmont game, the playoff game that was live. Mason got to watch the game against Golden, I want to say it was. I may be wrong. Maybe it was Chatfield. But you got to see one of those games. So this Dakota Ridge squad, were some. they were a team that we saw a lot this year. And we got to see Adam Graves have some really good performances. But his play-to-play -play consistency was just not necessarily the best. Some of his passes were just a little bit off. And you kind of tell from some of his completion percentages throughout the year. I mean, in that golden game, you know, 60% is still good. But then in this Longmont and Chatfield game, you're sitting at 57% and 56%. And then even in that Rampart game, 56%, there were some passes that he just straight up missed. And he threw two picks to a Rampart team that uh, just wasn't particularly great this year. And while he did uncork some long passes, you know, it was kind of a Jekyll and Hyde kind of day where, thank goodness, this Rampart offense couldn't really get going against this suffocating Dakota Ridge defense. But, you know, Adam Graves gave them the ball with some opportunities to score, for sure. And, you know, that was something early in the season where I was like, oh, let's keep an eye on that. And then, you know, as the season progresses, I wouldn't say that he necessarily played... He didn't play bad in, in that playoff game. But, you know, I think that if he had some of the same you know, decision-making tools or, you know, just experience of like one more year of football that this would have easily been the state champion team. You know, that's just something that happens with one-year starters from time to time. But, you know, on the plus side, he does have a lot of raw things that do go very well. And he did show a lot of growth as the season progressed in these decision-making and timing and accuracy areas that I think, you know, they they leave a little bit to be desired but it's not some it's not like oh no he's not capable of doing it it's you know he just didn't have enough time to perfect it and that's a really good thing as somebody who wants to recruit somebody like adam graves where it's like big guy big arm and constant signs of improvement constant increased knowledge of the game and you know presented with more time could really be i think a, a next level guy through and through now, he does have to iron some things out with his overall mechanics. His footwork is kind of a mess and all over the place. Sometimes his base gets way too wide, and he relies on throwing his entire body into the throw in a kind of weird way, not in the engaging hips and driving kind of way, but in the kind of way, which slows down his, you know, his releases sometimes on those deep balls. And, you know, I think that his arm isn't always consistent in the way that it releases the football. So 
That's why his overall mechanics slash fluidity, I think, are at a 5.9. And it's just one of those things that more time will kind of help. Also, his pocket movement, this was his lowest grade for me at a 5.6 because he does drift backwards and he will throw off his back foot, which kind of influenced his overall mechanics, taking a little bit of a dive here too. But, I mean, if your worst category is a 5.6, I mean, come on. So a lot of these guys end up with like below a 5 in a lot of categories. And, you know, it, it comes to sting them pretty hard. And I, I'm not really too worried about any of these, you know, lower grades for Adam Graves because he is so good at developing. He's such a student of the game. And I think that he really does love this sport. And I'm from what I remember, if I, I, I want to say that this was Adam Graves, but he was a big time hockey player before he started playing football. So for him to have this big of a turnaround and to be a TFG guy that developed big time, that was huge for, for Adam Graves and for this Dakota Ridge team that really wanted to, you know, um, that really wanted to show out and, you know, have a very successful season. So Adam Graves, all of that being said, he did have a couple of different offers here. I'm just going to read the ones from December 16th onward where he got one at Dakota State University. He got an offer at South Dakota Mines and an offer from CSU Pueblo, which is where he ultimately ended up committing on February 1st. And I think that this is a great signing for CSU Pueblo. I know that there are there's a lot of competition in that QB room over at CSU Pueblo. I mean, I'm pretty sure Leslie Richardson is still there. And this is a CSU Pueblo team that wants to push back at the RMAC and really make some noise. I think that their last two recruiting classes have been the best out of all of the Division II schools here in Colorado. I think that this class of 22 and class of 21 classes were excellent signings, grabs, and maneuvering here. And, you know, I think that there could be a really smooth transition here where CSU Pueblo could capture a couple of RMAC titles back-to-back between Leslie Richardson and with Adam Graves. You know, Adam Graves, lots of raw potential, but, you know, I have a lot of faith in the CSU coaching staff. They've been steady over the past few years, and, you know, they have a winning tradition there. They have a winning tradition and want, and I think that exactly that is going to be absolutely big time for for CSU Pueblo and for Adam Graves in particular, just because, I mean, dude, he just does so many things well and he showed so much with such little time, you know, and that's what's got me excited about Adam Graves. And that's what should get everyone down there in Pueblo excited about Adam Graves, because I mean, his overall score for me was a 70.7, which I think is pretty dang good for a one-year start. I mean, that's that's basically two-star kind of level. Um, and I think that the only thing separating him from a higher score is more consistency. He was right there next to Seth Frazier, for context, in my overall grades. And, you know, he was just just a little bit outside looking in from our top five, you know, kind of uh, kind of players and, and senior quarterbacks. So I'm glad that I was able to get around to this. And, you know, I, I had a lot of fun watching him in person and watching this Dakota Ridge season and watching him grow as both a person and as a student of the game slash quarterback. So that was Adam Graves, once again, the CSU Pueblo commit out of Dakota Ridge High School. And that'll be the very last player here. I know that I usually do six, but this was a solid group of five. We don't want to 
you know, kind of, we want to give people more chance to fill out the request form. And you can do that by going to any of our social medias, whether it is Twitter at Playmaker Corner, whether it is on TikTok, Playmakers Corner, Facebook, Playmakers Corner, but like spaced out like a normal word, or Instagram at Playmakers Corner. Any of those outlets have a link tree. And in that link tree, the very first link is a Google form. And if you go ahead and fill that out, you will be put on our list. As long as you have a sufficient amount of film, we will get around to breaking down your film and releasing a request episode just for you. And then you can listen to that request episode where you're listening, hopefully right now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Anchor. Go ahead and follow or subscribe to any of those so you get notifications on all of our latest episodes, some of which will include Twitch streams. Go ahead and follow us on Twitch where we are breaking down a couple of different players live so you can kind of see our process behind the scenes and just get raw, unfiltered reactions to plays, throws, mistakes, and live breakdown and assessment of different players. So go ahead and follow us on Twitch where we are trying to become Twitch affiliates. And if you don't have time to watch us live on Twitch, you can watch the episodes on Twitch or on our YouTube where we are also posting those Twitch streams, as well as other content. That about does it for all of our plugs. I know that people who stick around to the end may get annoyed by it, but we do appreciate all of your support. And any way that you follow, like, watch, or listen to us is greatly appreciated by us here at the Playmakers Corner, especially from me, your host for this episode, Cody Stoffer, signing off.